Love Runs 2. It was Vision Sunday, Valentine's week, and we kicked off that. How does God feel when he looks at the newspaper? Like, how does he feel when the new kid moves in town? You know, I love the message translation when it talks about the word became flesh. And it says this, that Jesus moved into the neighborhood. When somebody moves into the neighborhood, everybody knows, right? Everybody knows. And they all have a conversation for a long time about it before. And they might come meet you. And they're, what they're really doing is they're interviewing you. When they bring you gifts or if they bring you food, they're interviewing you. They're like, oh, it's great. Yeah, oh, we love you. Welcome to the neighborhood. Oh, welcome. Right? It's just that constant. I remember we moved to a new town in fourth grade, and I had broken front teeth, and my last name starts with a V, and my front teeth look like an upside-down V. Now, kids are really creative in their fun-making strategies, right? They're, they know exactly how to hurt you. And so they, they say, oh, like, you, your teeth are broke just like your last name. It's kind of like an upside-down V. Like, so you're kind of upside-down. And, and so a whole week went by. I made about three friends. And then I won a race against the fastest kid in school, got my teeth fixed, and I became one of the most popular guys. And that led me to a whole bunch of nonsense throughout my whole life. But that's how it all started when I moved into the neighborhood. When Jesus moves into the neighborhood, that's so beautiful because what that means is he's present in all of your mess, your stress. He sees it, your storms, your problems, your situations. Remember the song, um, put me in coach, I'm ready to play today. Anybody? Come on. Put me in coach. Yeah. Who's that by? That's, that's center field. There, come on. That, that's a good one, though, right? Thanks takes you back to America's pastime. You want to you play baseball. You want to, you know, I want to throw the football. I want to do something. Put me in coach. I remember thinking thoughts like that as a young lad, um, thinking I want to do something significant. I want to make my life count. I want the coach to call my name and get in the game. When I'm in the game, I want to make it count. And something so beautiful happened when, when Jesus found me is he gave me significant purpose. And he says this, all right, you're in the game and it doesn't matter what you ever do, any home runs you hit or not, you actually have the greatest thing, which is me. And so I started to give this uh, just liberation to my life. Like, okay, I am free. I am found. But yet conservative structure to say, I want to know what's on the coach's mind though. I want to lean in. I want to be in the game to make it count, not to try to earn my way for his approval, because this is, this is the good news. You got you to get it. If you, if you miss this, you've missed everything. That Jesus, you don't have to earn anything to get right with him, period. And, and so what we start to pick up along the way is I think that now uh, that Jesus has got me, well, now I got to clean up to get back with him. And that's why we're always in this, this, this tug of war all the time. And I'm telling you, it'll haunt you. It'll break you down. We just got to get in the game. Once we recognize we've already won in Christ, put me in coach. His love runs to me. It's so liberating. It's so freeing. We're going to look at a story today that I... Uh, I think has been preached so many times, but I, I didn't always get the full significance until I started just marinating in who was the real hero of the story. How God came to Jonah and he wanted to reach a city called Nineveh, which was known as like Sin City of that time, a great city, but 120,000 people and, and known for its horrific, just disobedience to God. 
And so if you're a follower of God, you might not want to get close to Nineveh because that's where all the darkness happens. And so in this story, this four chapters in this book of Jonah, what you have is you start to realize that Jonah is dealing with some bigotry in his heart. He has some prejudices. He even deals with maybe even racism. And he starts to even have this thing that, okay, I want to be a separatist, meaning, okay, they're over there, I'm over here, and I'm quite okay with it. And God says, but I'm not. I want us to get there. I want to go closer, and I want to do something in the city of Nineveh, and I want to show my love powerfully and radically. It's beautiful. I'm going to pick that up right in verse 1. It says, now when the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Now, tone is really important. You know, we text nowadays, and you can lose some of the tone, or emails. I've gotten mad before reading emails, and then so I just pick up my fo- the phone, and you get to find out real quick what they were feeling. Sometimes it's just like, hey, what's going on? I was like, oh, that email, I read it wrong, <laughs> right? Or someone reads my email or they read my text and then we talk on the phone. It's completely different because tone is important. When you read the Bible, you think of God. Are you thinking about him like this? Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. But here, call out against it for their evil has come up before me. (laughs) I can't wait to crush them, right? It's like, that's how it's kind of like. It's like he's this wicked guy. (laughs) He's like, you know, remember um, Inspector Gadget, you know, the claw. It's just what it's like all the time. God wants to crush you. No. You're missing the whole story of what God wants to do through Jesus in your life and what he wants to do in the city and what he wants to do in regions if you're not understanding that it's all based upon love. It's all based upon freedom. He's trying to set people free. There's a show back in the day, uh, it was called Who's the Boss? Tony Danza was in it. I remember watching him and uh, every girl thought he was super cute and, and, um, Someone right now is like, That's, that was me. Yep, yep, my bad. And uh, he, he, didn't, he didn't age forever. Um, and, but it, the whole thing was like, who is the boss? And I had an authority issue as a kid where, you know, teacher tells you something or parents tell you something, and then here's the reason when you ask them why. Well, just because. Oh, that's, that's really thought out. Thanks, you know. That's impressive. I love the way we've articulated this motivation. Or, and then if we go a little step further, right, okay, and if you don't do it, here's the consequence. Well, that's the lowest form of motivation if we aren't careful. And any leaders know this, that you can intimidate, or a parent, you can intimidate your kids and you can just get obedience out of fear. But isn't that the same thing we do with a dog? We need motivation that's compelled by a story of why that is better than the Disney movies. It's better than any type of great superhero cinematic flick we've seen. And what that is, is the love of Jesus, the adventure of God and the tone of God. And so as we think about authority, I want us to think about this real quick, is for me, for so long, it was, it was, it was as if they were holding me down and just wanted me to conform to the system. That seemed archaic, right? Oh, you just want me to become a good worker so I don't ever push back. And once God rocked my life, what he showed me was this. One of the first things he dealt with was my view on authority. And he said, look, authority is there on behalf of me for good, though they're not all perfect, 
but I will use even bad for good. Watch, think back to those moments in your life. I start thinking back, hmm, I developed patience. Wow, anger led to forgiveness and all these different qualities. And I started seeing uh, authority for what it was, that authority was there on behalf of God. And I was really submitting to God when I let someone be in charge. We ask our kids sometimes, we say, who's, you know, who's in charge? And they make, there's like a joke sometimes, you know, mom's in charge or and to, to dad's in charge. And then we tell them, well, wait, who's really in charge? Well, God's in charge. And so when you're submitting to mom or dad, who are you submitting to? God. And there'll be times when mom and dad aren't around, right? Do you need your boss around all the time to do the right thing? Somebody's like, oh, no. Well, God sees. He's the boss all the time. He's in charge all the time. And, and, and what does that mean? It means this, that that when God's in charge, when he's the boss, when he comes and he gives us a mission or some type of assignment, we should be able to say, yes, I'm in. And then we recognize who is the initiator of the event. God is the initiator of the story in your life. Maybe you've been thinking it's based upon what you do, but God was the one that came to Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah and then Jonah gets an opportunity because he had an assignment. Now, Jonah means dove. And now doves are typically associated with good things in the Bible. Now, Jonah, if we look at his life, though, it's not necessarily something we, we want to follow or, or pattern our lives after. In fact, what you find is he gets bitter and he's, and he's you know, ups and downs. And, but what we see is God's grace to Jonah, God's grace to Jerome, God's grace to you, even in spite of our nonsense. That even when you're running from, God is running to you. And even when he gives you an assignment and you run away from, that God is still wanting to use you. Because the message that he gives you, you got to hear this. If you've been following Jesus for a long time, the message that we have, you know what it comes to first? You and me. The followers of Jesus. Those that know. And sometimes people say, well, I'll get right with God later. Really? It'd be worse off to... Like, know and then never follow him. Then, right? I mean, just, it's worse to know and then to not follow him. Because it'd be better if you never knew. Because to know the truth and then to not walk in it, it's, it's a deep, powerful, convicting thing. So it continues, and here's was Jonah's response. And he's a minor prophet, which means his job description is to speak on behalf of God. He's done it before. You would think he would do it this time. But he has some issues because of how he's viewing Nineveh. And now, if you read the end of the book, you'll, you'll get this and you know the story of Jonah. And we'll talk about that in the weeks ahead. But I want to encourage you in these next four weeks that Jonah isn't the story that we just preached from here. Jonah is the story that you guys go marinate on there, wherever you're there is, in your home, in your car. It's four chapters long. So, if, man, you, 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 if you don't like reading, you got four weeks, four chapters. Now, I want to challenge you if, if you, if you're good at reading, it'll only take you about 15 minutes to get to the four chapters, and you can read them about 400 times over the next four weeks. And as I've reread this and listened to it, it has been challenging me and wrecking me every single time. We're going to continue the story. Verse 3, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish but the present, from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Away from the presence of the Lord. That statement right there has driven me 
to tears this week. That Jonah's response would be to go away from the very thing that can give him life, that God's presence, his peace. I think it's one thing. We begin this journey. We say, I'm going to follow Jesus. And then we spend our whole life kind of running from him. He's like, wait, I'm over here. I want you to come here. No, no, I want to go over here. And then, we're, then we want him to sign off on our own results. And, and, and just like Jonah, he went down to the city Joppa, and he started to pay so that he could go away from the Lord's mission. Have you ever been so discouraged in life that you wanted to go medicate, that you started to pay, that you started to go places, that you started to fill it with all this false hope, all this drinking, all this partying, that now you're so far away from the God because you're just running, but you can't hide. It keeps haunting you inside and out, day in day in day. Because here's the thing, just because God's word comes to you doesn't mean you will run for it. You may run from it. And I want to invite us today, don't run from the Lord. Run with the Lord. It's the most beautiful thing you could ever do for your life. That's the definition of success. It's just to be known by God, period. So the verse that says, it's that we know God, but actually the greatest joy is rather that we're known by God. See, you could be in Christ and not working with Christ. It's one of the greatest mysteries that I see throughout all the scriptures is that you could be in Christ, but not working with Christ. Well, start to unpack that. Well, we unpack that. We say God is sovereign, which means he's in control of everything. He's the greatest general of all time. He knows exactly what's going to happen. He's been orchestrating it. But we also know that he desires all people would come to repentance. He gives his kids some choices, and sometimes they choose some silly things. Can you relate? Sometimes he gives them an assignment, and they just want to run and go far away from this dirty city, sin city, and he wants to get so far away from it and say, I'm going to go to this other place where it's nice, it's beautiful, and I'm going to just pay my way. And one day, me and God will talk about that later, and we'll have my peace. People say that. I think that it's like we say that kind of half-heartedly, oh, I'll deal with God later, or he'll deal with me later. Really? Come on, this is very serious stuff. We're talking about eternity here, and God cares about the city. And this mystery of that God is in control, but yet we have choices, is, is one of the great mysteries of life. I haven't been able to figure it out. So is he sovereign, or have we got choices? Yes. So do we have choices, or is he sovereign? Yes. Which one is it? Both. I don't understand. You're not in control, but yet God gives you opportunities that, hey, whom will you serve this day? I put before you life and death. I desire that you would choose life. Just like in the garden, he gave us a choice. And he desires for us to choose him this morning, but he's already chosen you. That as you've been running from, he's been running to. Now, some of us, have we been running from the presence and the mission of God? That even in this place, that you guys, okay, you get the applause, like, way to go, you came. For real, like, that is awesome. You're so set apart. It's remarkable you showed up on a Sunday. Humbled, I'm, I'm grateful that, you, that we could spend this time together. But I'd also say now you're, you're more responsible and accountable because to come, it's not just enough to come for us to hear because faith without action is dead. It's a mystery. It's a, both sides of the coin. It's a marriage that we got faith, but yet we got action. But yet our action doesn't save us. We're never saved by what we do. 
But yet, because of what Christ has done, now I just want to respond like a king's kid. I want to roam and be free. I want to play in the playground. I want to start to take his love and his hope to a world that so desperately needs it. So the question is, are you running with or from God's call this morning? Which one? Are you running with or from God's call this morning? Uh, There was a a, a million soul saved crusade, I remember one time. And it was uh, about the end times. The world was ending and I got invited to it. It's the, you know, the world's over, everything's gonna end. And I was so intrigued, me and my buddy, cause you know, we, we were like looking at up aliens and you know, creation and what's gonna happen in the world. And the place was packed, it was at Mount Hope and I was standing up on the top balcony and Jack Van Impe was going off. He knows the Bible in and out. He's dropping every verse you could ever think of. He's referencing it. Just boom, Jesus is coming back. You better repent now. And I remember the moment. I'm like, yeah, oh, yes, Jesus is Lord. You know, I raised my hand or whatever. And um, they asked whoever wanted to stand. I was already standing. And uh, I, I, this is an entry level to my testimony that most people haven't heard. But this is about a year before God radically uh, rocked my world. And I remember uh, we're up there. We're praying, oh, Jesus, yes. Okay, that's great. And I remember we got right in the car. We're like, dude, isn't that deep? It's so deep, man. I think Jesus is coming back. When's he coming back? I don't know. Let's smoke a blunt. It's like, yeah, let's just, sm- yeah, it's perfect. That's awesome. It's kind of weird if we roll in the parking lot, don't you think? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But it's better here than there, don't you think? Yeah, that's true. And um, so my song sends away. It says, uh, if you ever listen to it, get on iTunes. But verse two, it talks about that exact moment. Um, and it talks about rolling blunts in the parking lot. And uh, it's something we laugh about. But at the same time, you know what's real? Is I was running from the presence of God. I had felt the presence of God. And it had haunted me. And there's a war going on outside no man is safe from. You can run, but you can't hide forever from these streets that we done took. You're walking with your head down, scared to look. You shook. Because ain't no such things as halfway crooks. Survival of the fittest, mob deep, havoc. That's what that is. And I remember those words would go through my head often, and still to this day that song goes through my head because I think about that in the lens of Jesus. You can run, but you can't hide. You can run, but you can't hide. See, there's no such thing as halfway crooks. Are you in or are you out? See, there's no such thing as halfway Jesus followers. Are you in or are you out? I remember talking to a missionary one time. I got invited to a dinner. It's weird because he's in a third world country and this great elaborate dinner and we're introducing each other and they're like, hey, meet this rapper. His name's Jerome. And he introduced, you know, he says, hi. He kind of just looked through me. And I was like, dude, this guy is serious. Well, he's got his family in the middle of uh, the Middle East where wars are happening. And then finally he came up to me at the end of dinner and it was, he was just like looking through me. It's as if this guy was already dead. He didn't even care. But he had so much love about him. He shook my hand. He goes, do you know who Lecrae is? I said, absolutely, I know who Lecrae is. And he said, you know his song, Send Me? I was like, yeah. And he's like, that's one of the only things talking about his music that can give us the urgency we need to be this focused daily on the day in and day out because it's hard in the Middle East and it's hard to conserve Jesus and it's hard on a day to, and I, I need the motivation. I need to keep it before me. He's like, so are you guys like him? And I remember, I'll tell you what, 
I've prayed that song before. Send me, I'll go. Send me, I'll go. Send me, I'll go. Let me go. Let me go. And you can think about that for a minute. Like, that's what the scriptures say. Send me, Lord. Send me, send me, send me, send me. Put me in, coach. Well, what about when he comes to you and he wants to put you in? Yeah, but I thought he was going to send me to the place I liked. <laughs> you got that mixed up with Shazam. You've been watching the Shaq movie. God is not your genie. He's trying to send you to places that are hard and uncomfortable. We live dead. We've, look, there's no such thing as halfway Christians. Man, get in there. Get off. The fence hurts, and it will hurt your groin, man. Get off the fence. Let's get in the game today. Look, you know how, yeah, Jesus, come on. Give it up for him. Jesus, get us in the game today. See, when we run and we hide, what we're doing is we're paying to play to, to basically invite darkness, not the presence of God. And so we're paying. I got to smoke this. I got to go here. I got I, I, I to do anything to think about not thinking about what God's called me to do because it's too tough and it's too challenging. And so you say, well, how does this apply? What do I do? You know, I think what you do is you first really say, Lord, send me. I'll go. And sometimes he says, okay, great. Rest today. So other times we'll say, call your mom. Other times we'll say, I want you to love that coworker that you can't stand. Really? But it always comes with asking the Lord at his feet. And what you'll realize through his word is that his word's always showing you how his character and his nature is. And it's giving us the game plan. It's reprogramming us. It's showing us that God's love runs to. He moved into the neighborhood. He moved into your darkness to bring light and so now, here's what we say. We're not paying to run to darkness anymore. We're recognizing that Jesus paid for us to even have the ability to run. So we respond with open hands. And so when we say love the city week, that's nothing. Let's go. We say we're trying to raise 20 grand. It's all good. Whatever. We'll do. We've got to sell something. We've got to do extra hours. It's fine. Because it changes our perspective. It gives us a hope and it connects us with how he thinks and how he breathes and how he operates. And maybe logistically, you're like, okay, well, I want to get involved. Well, sign up for a session to serve. Each one will be an hour and a half long. Get the schedule at the table. You're like, okay, when do I got to get the money in by? We're looking at September 24th. You can give online, select Love the City Fund. Because love runs to this city, but it also runs to Dansville. It runs to this whole region, but we're in this thing together. And I want uh, it to be in Lansing as it is in heaven. In Lansing as it is in heaven. Like in Lansing as it is in heaven. We got to believe it. Walk like it, talk like it. So the presence of God is in the middle of, of any situation that he's called us to, period. And so you could be in Christ, but not running with Christ. There was a moment when uh, Pastor Dave Williams called me on stage one time. It was just like a kiss from heaven to pray over me as an emerging leader. And what that means is an emerging responsibility. To whom much is given, much is required. So what that would mean is now I'm called to higher standards, and when I mess up, I feel even worse, and, right? And just I know grace deeper because I'm praying, I'm crying out to God, and what that, that's what it all meant. But I remember the Holy Spirit customized a little phrase for me, and it said this, you've been drafted today. What? Yeah, you're a lottery pick. Now, I don't know about your upbringing, but my upbringing, my highest worldview was that I'd be a lottery pick. The NBA was just everything. I was so naive to believe that I was good enough to be in the NBA at like 10 years old. Now that's, it's like, it's a great thing, but it's also, I was that naive. I just, I'm like, dude, 
you're not going to grow that big. You might not be fasting, but it didn't matter. It was everything. It was God. And it was fun. It was beautiful. But it was even better when God gave me context for those passions, those desires. And he said this, you are a lottery pick. You are a draft pick. And this morning, I don't know what it is for your childhood that you looked up to. Maybe you haven't seen how good the gospel is, that when he drafts you, when he calls you, when he gives you an assignment, that you're his lottery pick. For real. Better than Lonzo Ball with the Lakers. That's being on God's team. Do you walk with that type of position and power? I was always like, ah. I, I tell people sometimes, God's got, you know, God's going to do great things for you. I hope so. It's like, okay, Eeyore, right? Like, I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. But there, it's believers. It's believers. It's, it's like Jonah. Because as the story continues, it says, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. I love this because even your situation that you've been complaining about, it could be God hurling a great wind to your sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so the ship threatened to break up. <laughs> okay? Life and death moment. Then the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his God, lowercase g. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it up for them. Because in the midst of every single storm, your flesh will always tell you, do it. You have to get out of this. God helps those that help themselves. It's the biggest lie ever. God helps those who believe they can't help themselves. But Jonah had gone down, this is him and his sin, into the inner part of the ship, and he had lain down and was fast asleep. He's like, I know God called me to go the other way. Who cares? I'm just going to hang out. It's over. Isn't this what we do? We callous ourselves in the darkness so far that we, we can't even feel the sensitivity and the compassion of heaven anymore. I think we need a pedicure this morning. It's called a compassion pedicure that we've gotten callous too far. We don't even know how to run or strap up the shoes anymore. We don't know how to lace them up. We don't know how to get in the game, put me in coach. It's been too hard. It's been too, yeah, it's, it is hard. Heaven's here catching your tears, but cheering you on, saying you can keep going. Have you ran so far from God that you're sick in your sin, that you're literally sleeping in it? And you can't even see right from wrong anymore. Like, I'll deal with it later. Take a different way home. And just keep dealing with the same issues over and over and over again. You know, studying... Um, individuals that have went to war, and uh, thank you to anyone who's ever served. And, um, but studying that, what you see is, you see that people will develop a lot of faith in the midst of battles. They'll at least cry out to God, they'll have conversations, okay? Because it's like when somebody's really struggling, even if they say they're an atheist, God, right? What? Jesus! That's what you have with the people on the ship, they're praying to their gods. God, what in the world, right? They, go, they might have dozens of different gods. And they start saying, okay, well, let's, let's find out. Let's investigate this a little further. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? So they started kind of casting lots to find out, okay, who is the person? And where do you come from? Talking about this outsider, this new person in the neighborhood. Where do you come from? What is your country? And what people are you? And he said to him, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men, because you can imagine this, right? He's claiming, I serve the God that's over every single God. And then the men are thinking, wait, <laughs> the sea's going crazy. 
So for the men knew he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them, obeying God is the greatest honor we'll ever get to do. For real, obeying God. No one needs to see what you've done for God because what you've done in private, God will give you praise publicly throughout all of heaven forever. Do you believe that today? Do I believe that today? Verse 11, then they said to him, what shall we do to you? The sea may quiet down for us, for the sea grew more and more temptuous. Now he said to them, uh, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. So this great storm, this great trial has come upon you. Jonah's starting to recognize it's me. I've been in disobedience. It's the Lord. He is the one who rules the waves. I couldn't run. I couldn't hide. He's came after me. Just throw me in this thing. Get me out of the mission. God will maybe somehow figure out how to help me or I'll, maybe I'll die out there. I just recognize that it's because of me that this issue is happening. You know, sometimes in our world, God wants to use us so bad that in our settings, because we're not being the salt and light and his grace is there, he'll make up for it. But sometimes we have to do what he's called us to do in order for the response to be how God wants it to be. We are God's plan A. There is no plan B. Have you ever wondered that? Why isn't Jesus still here? Why is he using imperfect people why? Because that's how he wanted his gospel to be carried. Because it continues to show the beauty of what the gospel really is. For I know it's because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men started to row hard to get back to dry land. So, no, I'm going to fix this my own self. I'm not going to weather the storm. we got to go. But they could not, for the sea grew more and more temptuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not us innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it has pleased you. You have a shift. They were praying to their other gods. Then they started praying to the real God because they're seeing the power of God and from a messenger. So they picked up Jonah, they hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. One of the greatest little gems of Jonah's story is this moment right here, that even on the ship with a bunch of Gentile outcasts that were serving other false gods that they, through the grace of God, by throwing Jonah into the sea, they start to recognize this is the one true God. That that was the heartbeat of God the whole time. That this is the thing that Jonah's missing is that God wanted to reach all people. He wanted to reach and use him in such a powerful way. Because unlikely people, when they accept Christ, it it's, it's, it's just shows the beauty of the gospel in ways that nothing else could. Because here's what really is happening. Conviction is a miracle. Have you ever prayed for a sign and a wonder? God, if you just do this for me. Well, I want to tell you, every single one of us have had a sign and a wonder happen in our life. And you know what it is? It's that feeling of knowing you messed up and knowing you're wrong and knowing you need help. And here's what Satan wants you to mistake it as is today. I think, you know, a lot of us, we, we can feel some uh, conviction because we feel like Jonah and we've been running away from God. And, and I don't want you to feel what Satan wants you to feel it to be. You know what he wants you to feel it to be? He wants you to think it's condemnation. 
oh, you're not good enough. Just run away. Just here, they'll accept you over here. When conviction is trying to change you and lead you to repentance, which will change your life and lead you to freedom. And we always associate it with like convict bad. But guess what? Newsflash, being guilty and knowing you're guilty is actually a good thing when you own up and say, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Some of us, we just can't even say that. It's like, God, I'm sorry. And he says, I love you. He doesn't even say, go do the chores. He says, I love you. Awesome. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, now let me, let me, uh, no, 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 no. I'm going to clean you. Instant. That's how powerful the grace of God is. It's instant. It's now. It's here. It's freedom. It's for you. Would you just pray out and say, God, I am sorry. That's what the sailors did. Verse 17, it says, and the Lord appointed, and we're going to close here, a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, um, I think for too long, as followers of Jesus, we've told this story like this. God sent the fish, the Bible says so, and then he spit him out on the land, and that's because the Bible said so. And the person's like, a fish? Yeah, he was in the fish. The Bible said so. A fish. Can we go back there? Look, the Bible said so. I told you, right? It's just like, listen, George, I told you, you know. It's like, Billy, I can't get it. I can't get it. A fish? I can't get it. I don't understand. And it's just like, we're, we're, you know, and so there's two camps here. The skeptic's saying, look, that is just, that's not plausible. It's not real. There's no way it's possible. And then the other camp is just like, nope, it's real. It's 100%. And then some say, okay, so is this story of Jonah figurative? Is it an allegory? Meaning, is it kind of like a tale that points to a greater truth? Or is it something that really happened? And I think it's something that really happened, and here's why. The more I studied this and got in deeper and deeper, you start to find that the god of Nineveh that people are worshiping is called Dagon. You know what a Dagon is? Dagon's a fish god. It's kind of like a mermaid that people were worshiping a fish god. And see, one person said about miracles, they said, um, it, it's like, we can't believe a, a person would resurrect. How did Jesus resurrect? And all these people saw him. Well, they did see him. He did resurrect. But I, I love this argument. The fact that we exist is harder to believe than as if one of us resurrected. Think about that for a moment. It would be harder to believe that one of us resurrected and to believe, just look, we're already here. We believe that in a second. Oh, I'm here. The fact that we're here proves that somehow miracles exist. See, conviction in your heart is a miracle. It's a sign and wonder. And God was so intimately trying to reach this sin city. You know, it's on the front page for all kinds of nonsense. On the front page of the paper, above the fold, they called it. You know, the, the click stuff nowadays, it's always negative stuff. Negative, negative, negative. And so I think the temptation sometimes is to see the city or to see certain people in your neighborhood, even a surrounding city, and just see it and be like, oh, not them. <laughs> Deuces, right? Not them. No, God's saying them many times. Go to them. Say hi to them. That's where you'll find your freedom. And as he did with Jonah when he swallowed the fish, you know what I think he was doing? He literally was showing his power over all of creation, a great fish. He could have, some say it could have been a sperm whale, it could have been a white shark, it could have been a new creature that he just created. Jonah could have died in the belly and God still has the power to resurrect him because God does anomaly things sometimes and it's okay. 
And so you, you can't even be in Jesus unless you got faith like a child. And so you got to sometimes, you know, we can't figure it all out. But I love this. He gave us enough seeds to where we can see, whoa, wait, wait, wait. A fish swallowed a person. He's going to swallow them and then, and then spit them up on shore at a city where they worship God fish. Man, God fish. You think they're going to listen when the dude comes out and he's starting to say, hey, I want to tell you about the God of gods from the fish. Man, God's always been showing up, punking out all these other false gods. In the day and age, you know what, Lance, you know what it looks like? It looks like a love the city truck, I believe. It looks like showing up at a school that no one wants to go. It looks like taking somebody um, that, you know, is, is in an affluent place and can give resources or training or background or just sit and listen for counseling. It takes us all coming together to build bridges throughout the city. I had the opportunity this week to uh, be a part of the adoption ceremony for the Allen family, family. And it was just one of the, the most special things that I've ever got to be a part of. And my wife and I were just elated, um, truly radically humbled. And at the beginning, they kind of looked at me because they were like, if anybody has any words to share, the judge. And if you've been in a courtroom, it's, it's just not kind of happy-go-lucky. The judge was trying to, they were trying to do everything to make it feel welcoming. Like, hey, uh, this is informal. You guys can sit or do anything you want. And so everyone's just way in the back, you know. Yes, sir, your honor, I think. Judge man. <laughs> Sorry, right? He comes from behind the, you know, he's got the door, you know, from his, I think it's like, it's, I can't remember what it says on the door, but his corridors or his chambers, chambers. And he comes out. He looks like Willy Wonka's evil twin, right? There he is. So you don't know. And I've been in courtrooms before, and it wasn't always the best stuff. And so some of your family started leading the way, and they were like, can we sit in the juror box? And we sat in the juror box, and um, I, was thinking, I was thinking through. They've probably heard murder cases right here. They've heard different things. And, and the staff was saying that. They said, we don't get to see normal, happy things like this, so this is a special day for us. They kept saying that. This is a great day for us. And it was still a somber environment because of how serious that setting is. There's a judge. When you break the law, I mean, this is serious. So they kind of gave me the cue, and they said, let's pray. So we prayed, and we're praying in front of, you know, everybody that's in there. They got this tribe that's going to, you know, sing this song, and it's just crazy. It's crazy cool. Praying in the name of Jesus. We're praying love runs too, and, you know, start crying, and uh, there's not a dry eye in the place, and get ready to leave. And the judge says something. I'm just trying to get back to my seat as quick as possible. And he looks at me. I can't really hear him because I'm like, judge talking to me. What do I do? Hi. And he says, he goes, oh, you guys are Christian. He's like, I have Christian vows that I'll use then. I have two sets of vows. I'll use the Christian vows this morning. And he pulls out the Christian vows. And I'm telling you, it was so beautiful because it was like heaven in that place of how serious it'll be. When we sit before the Father, right? We're there. We are guilty. We can't ever make it right. And Jesus is going to take the vow for us. Like I did it. And we just start saying, why are you here? Why do I deserve? Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. And then they shared the vows and the kids got to go up front. You got to bang the gavel, right? And it was so cool. And sit on his lap and it was beautiful because that's like us. The family. Jesus steps right in. And then we get access that goes right on the Father's lap, not based on anything we did, just because somebody made a vow, somebody made it right. Jesus made it right. And so we celebrate you guys this morning um, for your love running too, because it's not easy. It's easier said than done, right? To, I mean, you guys started with zero, and now you're, at, uh, you're gonna be on your fourth soon. They just adopted three, and they're coming with four, so they're and counting. They said they started getting around us, and then we had you know, twins, and they're just trying to catch up. I'm not sure, but bless your heart, because it's 
kind of like a funeral, it's, uh, but in a blessed way. Meaning it's not today, it's the hard work later when somebody's struggling. And so I believe God's grace is going to meet you every step of the way, but also for us to pray such radical things. To let your love run to people. For me, just to kind of give you context, sometimes it's go right into the inner city, sometimes it's go work out the Mac, and sometimes it's like right after today, I'm going straight to Legoland with the kids. For real. That's what the Lord told me. Send me, Lord. I'll tell you, he'll tell you, he'll customize the strategy because he'll tell you when to work hard. He'll tell you when to get that weight off you. He'll tell you when to rest. He'll tell you when to go. He'll tell you when to adopt. He'll tell you what to do. And I'm telling you, that's what love runs to. Love runs to who? Me. Me. You got to believe that, that you're God's draft pick because once you believe you're God's draft pick, you will go do anything. You'll strap up your shoes. You'll get messy and you'll want to go find people that are smelly and dirty. And you'll say, hey, I see. I want to give you new shoes. And I'm going to tell you about the good news and how beautiful are the, those that bring the gospel. You're at the feet of those who bring the gospel. Let's run. We bring the gospel. We bring the good news. That's what's beautiful. Because when we go before the judge, we don't have to have that condemnation anymore because our conviction has led us to Jesus and that we put our trust in him, the true and living God. Game on. So after service, we're having a celebration. The Allens, uh, they had these shirts made up, Allen Squad. It was so cool in there. They, you know, superheroes, the kids. And uh, they wanted to celebrate as the church family. And we can't do this for everything, but we felt like, you know what? That fits the service so well. Would you, be, uh, would you let me tell the story? And they said, yes. And we got pizza and cake afterwards. If you want to stay, it's going to be outside. And it's, it's to celebrate them. It's to celebrate all the labor. It's to celebrate um, you know, Devin's birthday and, and whatever else is going on in your life. Let's just pick a reason to celebrate. Friends and food sounds good to me, right? Friends and food in Jesus. Will you consider this thought? Where are you running? From or with God? Because you haven't run too far from God today. Period. And what's the places? What's the, uh, what's the people? What's the situations that you just, you think, mm, God can handle that one. I hope I don't have to deal with it. I don't know. Lord, send me. I'll go. I'll go. I was praying that this morning is praying, um, God, take my life and take our family, take our children, use us how you want to use us. And I'm telling you, he started calibrating. He just tweaked. It wasn't massive course corrections because that would be a different conversation, but it was tweaks of just pausing to say, God, I don't want to run from your presence. I know that I have you and there's nothing that can rob that, period. Thank God for Jesus, the great Jonah. Jesus is the greater Jonah. Jesus references Jonah when he's going to go to the cross. I mean, this is what Jesus does. Jonah's kind of like the older brother. He does it wrong. He's mad, disgruntled. Well, God, why are you reaching people? But Jesus goes in to reach people that didn't ever give him the due. And he does it willingly, happily. And even on the cross says, God, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Man, when you look at Jesus, it changes everything. You remember the solar eclipse? Remember, uh, we had the lug nuts game, and it's so funny. Anybody thinks of reasons to have fun, and just because we're bored. You know why we're bored? Here's why we're bored, because we're not on mission for God. 
because you've been wired to be on mission for God. It's just how it's made. And so everyone's like, oh, passing these glasses, like, dude, it's so cool. And listen to people. This thing's like, dude, it's so cool. I'm like, if you stop and think about it, it's, you don't know anything about it. It's really not that cool. You don't know. It's just something that's happening. And you might be more excited if there was fireworks in front of you. I mean, you don't. It's just cool. Is it cool or is it just we're bored? And I think it was B a little bit. Now it was probably cool to some people, but I think it was B. Where it's like, oh, dude, it's cool. You know, drinking beers, we're hanging out, or baseball's hitting. And there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the point is that my son was sitting there, and uh, Crystal and I were, were talking to him. And one of them, he was just aggravated, acting up, and we talked to him later that night and he said, I don't want to look at the sun because I heard it can hurt your eyes. And uh, we were like, oh, no, no. Like, we got you. Remember the glasses? Yeah, yeah, I get it. But that's why I wanted to leave. We're like, oh, buddy. And I reminded of me of us. I don't want to look at the sun. It could hurt us. I don't want to look at Jesus. It can hurt us. I, I don't know what to do anymore. He could hurt me. Yeah, he really could. Even more. Because there is no such thing as halfway Christians. You can run, but you can't hide. So survival of the fittest, let's just give up now. We've already lost our lives. We die to self, and then we love. And I know this message is not one of those easy ones, but this is the, the, the one that will make you the most alive, is when you let his love run to you and let his love run to people. And when you start to just stare at the sun all the time, what you find is he never hurts you. He always changes you. He always leads you to freedom, and he always leads you to hope, and he always leads you to peace, and he always tells you, you are my draft pick. You are a lottery pick. You are way better than Lonzo Ball in the Lakers. Period. Period. Jesus, we thank you for your grace. I ask for your presence to saturate each one of your children in this room. God, I pray that some people would say, I give up. I'm sorry. And that you'd make them brand new like you do. Whiter than snow. Sin's gone. Reset button now. In Jesus' name. And for others that we've been running from, we know the situations. We're just doing everything to get on another ship to go to another place. And I pray that we would just bloom where we're at. Learn to be free in the rhythm. And not just think that comfort is a sign of God's presence, but it's difficult in the storm and even in the problem that you could be the provision in our leader in it. Jesus, we pray for freedom right now. Uh, we pray for laughter and love and excitement. We pray that we would not uh, live our life on only the bottom line, but by your design. And we start saying, God, send me. How does that look today? Where do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Do you want me to serve one of the sessions for Love the City Week? What do you want me to do? Do you want me to join the dream team here? Do you want me to come to City Life? Like, how do I live this thing? And I pray right now the Holy Spirit will customize the conversation to you. I pray that a love for the scriptures would grow deep in your life and that even the app could be something that You'll start to listen to the Bible, learn God's word and his character and his nature right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.